Thanks for listening to us here on Show Me Today. We all have our home remedies uh, when it comes to the cooling weather. Cameron Connor is with Adam Brook from Truman State University to talk about Missouri's folklore history and many ingredients that you can forage for all over the state. It's just not that long ago. Um, we didn't have a lot of stores, and especially if you lived in one of those in one of those hollers where they had to pipe in the sunlight, um, you would have to look after your own needs, and that that often meant foraging, uh, both both for food and for and for medical supplies of various kinds. Um, and there there grew up a, a pretty elaborate tradition of folk uses of various natural remedies and things that were available via foraging. Again, medicine and food. Um, the fall is a great time for, for food foraging as well. Um, and, and these traditions were handed down um, sometimes within families. Women were usually the, the conduits of this knowledge, and they would pass along this knowledge typically to, doctor, to daughters, um, although there were a great many male yarb doctors that's what they they were called in the ozarks in greater greater appalachia um when it was women it was frequently associated with midwifery um there were also separate traditions at quincy university there's a there's a huge collection um from harry hyatt's legacy of hoodoo and root work and and other lore from the black community of adams county illinois and and of course uh the Native Americans also had traditions which were kept within within their their among their own people um, and sometimes shared with white people. If you've just now tuned into our conversation, no worries. This is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Just search Show Me Today wherever you get your podcasts. We're here talking with Professor Adam Brooke Davis of Truman State University in the English and Linguistics Department, and we're taking a trip down the remedies of folklore and all the history that comes with it. Adam, how about some historical herbs and remedies in Missouri that have also taken some light today? Well, certainly certainly foraging is enjoying a rebirth. Um, I, think, uh, I think people... People um, really like the idea of taking both both nourishment and and health remedies directly from the the giving earth um, and without inputs of labor, um, without inputs of without inputs of, of pesticides and and, and herbicides, um, and also um, what's what's often talked about in our modern world is the way. Is the way we're alienated from where our food comes from. I, uh, I actually had an experience years ago when I was teaching a, a course for gifted junior high school students. A number of the students, they never really thought about it, but they had a vague idea that cows sort of pooped out cartons of milk, and they could see that this was not really credible, but it was an indication of just how very removed from the natural world we can get. And and when you when you learn to when you learn to go foraging, uh, for instance, for mushrooms, this is a great mushroom time of year. Um, there's a great pleasure in taking things directly from from nature. There's also, I have to say, a certain amount of danger. Um, there's a there's a proverb among mushroom foragers: all mushrooms are edible once. Um, <laughs> so. So you really, it's just, it's just my professional caution here. You really want good mentors. You want to buy a good guidebook 
um, and you want to um, be visiting reputable websites. Typically, these will be university ag extension websites that will that will help you distinguish between edible things and lookalikes. Um, another proverb is. Uh, there are there are old mushroom gatherers and bold mushroom gatherers, but very very few old bold mushroom gatherers. Um, so so you know the, the five or six uh, the five or six most popular foraged species, not hard to tell the difference. Um, they don't have a lot of lookalikes, and and it's a it's a good place to start. There are other plants that uh, that you really want to be cautious about. Wild carrot, also known as, as Queen Anne's lace, looks a great deal like hemlock, and that would be a literally fatal mistake. And then there are then there are things that uh, that people really depended on for staple food a long time ago. Um, one of the most familiar um, was pokeweed. Pokeweed is very 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 toxic, and and all parts of the plant are very toxic. If you know how to prepare it, you can you can make a pot herb out of pokeweed. It's called poke salad, and there's and but but one does not have to know how to do it. And, and again, this is why this is why you want a mentor and you want to be well informed. So, Adam, my largest takeaway from this is the fact that we have so many great resources to help you find this stuff now. But all I can think about is historically, I guess you just had to find out, you know, if, if you tried it and it worked and it helped you feel good, you kept using it. If not, maybe you weren't so lucky and you made a part of history. <laughs> um, well, there, there, there actually is a history of folk medicine and, and folk medicine has been studied seriously um, by science based physicians. Um, not all of them are hostile to folk medicine because um, folk medicine has, has has great uses psychologically. Um, one of the worst things you can do for any condition is to sit around in hopelessness and and simply to be doing something is of great psychological value, great healing value. Um, it's a simple medical fact that most conditions are self-limiting. Most conditions get better on their own. And it's and most of the folk remedies probably have very little clinical usefulness, but we're going to attribute the cure to whatever we did in the same way that uh, a student will say, well, I did I did well on that test because of my lucky pencil. Um, and, and they're going to cling to that pencil um, forever, forever afterwards. Um, there certainly are some herbals that have medicinal uses. So certain kinds of willow contain salicylin in the bark. Um, basically, it's aspirin. Um, and, and it was used by the Indians effectively as a fever reducer. Um, and there, there is a book, it's, it's, uh, it's not light reading, the Native Pharmacopeia, which studies many hundreds of remedies used, natural remedies used. Those that have clinical effectiveness, they're really limited to things that make you barf and things that make you poop um, and things that get you high. And those, um, those, are, uh, those are the basic categories of, of truly effective drugs. I think you do better getting those things over the counter. Um, <laughs> the, the other caution that I think everybody should, should hear about is that uh, 
one should only forage on private land and with permission. And in general, it's perfectly all right to take flowers and seeds and leaves. One wants to be cautious about taking whole plants or roots because that's going to kill the plant. Once again, professor of English and linguistics, Adam Brooke Davis at Truman State University. We've taken a stroll down the remedies and history of folklore. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.